Yeah, we got half of August to go. And uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, we can we can complain about the weather, but uh, them 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 folks have got something serious going on in other places on the planet. Yeah, I think we're pretty I think we're pretty lucky. We got a beautiful day here downtown of the office. Yeah, have yourself a good one. Hey, welcome into season four, episode eighteen of Niagara Four One One Live with Lee Starry. And on this bodacious day, we can look around the world, and boy, we've had some big big weather stories all of our thoughts and prayers and memories go out to uh, that fabulous place called Maui in the in the Hawaiian Islands man what a terrible thing that uh, that was over this past week and I've talked to a few people saying uh, we're very lucky here living in Niagara where we do we got this little microclimate that we live in and uh, God bless us. As much as you might want to bitch and moan about the kind of rain we've had, we're very lucky people, and you are very lucky to join us here at uh, Fiddler's Poorhouse. This episode uh, 18 of Niagara 411 Live with Lee Sterry is fueled by Gales Gas Bars, powered by WeStream, supported by Verge Insurance, Hartzell Marine, and Ace Alignment. And these, ladies and gentlemen, are your specials for you to come on in and join us at uh, Fiddler's Poorhouse today uh, and throughout the afternoon. What an absolutely spectacular day. So, wow, hello. Uh, we are live, as you can tell. So come on in. Um, there was a, it, what could have been a very harrowing uh, event at uh, Niagara-on-the-Lake District Airport, Niagara District Airport, Niagara-on-the-Lake Airport. I forget what we call it now, uh, but we're gonna have the pilot of that Cessna that initiated an emergency landing this past week and uh, that must have been quite an experience and he's going to be uh, coming on about oh i don't know 20 after 12 or so today and a couple of other interesting folks from uh, niagara and there is something that has really uh impacted all of our lives that has taken place over the last uh, little while and it's uh, Bill C-18. And we're gonna check it out in about 30 seconds. Come on in. We are live, we are here. We are uh, on the right side of the grass, as they say, on this uh, August the 16th. Boy, it's hard to believe that summer has gone so fast. It's not over, but it sure is moving quickly. Uh, and welcome to season four, uh, episode 18, once again, of uh, Niagara 411 Live with Lee Area. Thank you to uh, Nick, once again, for cooperating with us and sharing content. and all of you that uh, come along for the ride every day on Niagara 411 and join us every couple of weeks on Niagara 411 Live with Lee Sterry, Haida Nick's mom. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, on the right hand side of your screen is the one, the only, uh, the legendary uh, museum quality, uh, Kevin Jack of oh. uh, WeStream. I'll never be able to live up to that billingly. Well, 
oversell. Sold it. You know what they say, oversell, under deliver. <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome, Kevin. It's been, uh, it seems like a long two weeks. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. I've been to uh, the Belle Province and back in this time. How was that? Uh, it was great. It was a great yeah. family vacation. I'll tell you this. I don't know when it begins, but at some point, once you get beyond Montreal, everybody in Quebec loses the ability to make a good pizza. I don't know what they do. They put all the toppings under the cheese instead of on top of the cheese. Brutal. I'm uh, very happy to get back to Niagara and finally have some good Niagara sauce. Some of the uh, best in the world. I'm not going to um, go into this deeply, but I just wanted to, uh, on behalf of myself and all of Niagara, pass along our condolences to uh, the loss of your mother-in-law and uh, all of our best wishes to your wife, Leanne, and uh, your family. It's uh, been a tough couple of weeks for you folks, I know. and. Uh, our, as they say, our, uh, and as they say, justifiably, our thoughts and prayers are with you and to Leanne and your children and uh, your father-in-law and, uh, and and the entire family. It's, I know it hasn't been easy on you guys, and I just wanted to pass on our our thoughts. That. Yeah, appreciate that. Um, we uh, we did lose one of Canada's premier musicians and songwriters and indigenous entertainers as Robbie Robertson uh, grew up on Six Nations here in Ontario and became one of the first and foremost guitarists, songwriters, band leaders of our time. Uh, the leading songwriter and leader of the band. He played uh, as the, uh, with the band behind Bob Dylan, uh, Ronnie Hawkins, another great Ontario uh, person was the one that hired. Robbie to, cut, to join him on the road when Robbie was only 15 years old. He couldn't even legally get into the bars, so they had to sneak him in so he could play bass uh, with the Hawks. Um, uh, another one of my musical heroes that uh, passed over the past week. So rest in peace, Robbie Robertson, as well. Coming up uh, today on the program uh, is a fellow who uh, had a very interesting week as well. Gord Tessier is his name. He was a pilot of a Cessna 337 that made an emergency landing at Niagara-on-the-Lake Airport this week. He is uh, also a member of the Civil Air Search and Rescue Association, and he is going to be by to tell us his story at about 20 minutes after 12 today. And uh, a fellow whose name is no stranger to Niagarans, he's a Niagara Falls City Councilor, uh, Mike Strange, he is uh, running along with Peter D'Angelo, another councillor in uh, Niagara Falls. It's the 1,000 kilometer trail run. Uh, all part of uh, Mike's big umbrella project called the Box Run, but they're running down from Tobermory to Niagara. They're in day six, I believe, of their run, and we're going to be chatting with Mike Strange as he's on the road God knows where uh, at this point in time and uh, some other things that have been happening. He'll be coming around about uh, quarter to 12, or quarter to one, excuse me, today on the program. Kevin, one of the things that you and I wanted to talk about, though, is something that hits very close to home with regard to our, uh, if not current, former lives in the media, is this Bill C-18 has taken on uh, a life of its own, and I think it has taken directions that we weren't perhaps expecting. In case you're not familiar with BC, er, Bill C-18, 
It was the fact that uh, the two biggest social platforms out there, Meta, which you know as Facebook, and or Google, came face to face with the Canadian government legislation. And the Canadian government legislation stated uh, in layman's terms that if you are going to use content from Canadian news organizations and put it on your platform, you are going to have to pay for the privilege. Well, guess what? Those two platforms said, screw you, basically. And as it goes back to the 1980s, what I used to say, you cannot and will not be able to regulate the internet. But uh, the Canadian government has tried. Now, here's what's happened since then with Bill C-18 is the fact that what was the date that uh, the rubber hit the road on this, Kev? I'm not exactly sure. Lee, was but it we the beginning of August? Yeah, but we started to see some uh, some websites, some Facebook pages just be obliterated in the Gone. last probably 24, 48 hours. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things that a lot of the media organizations did not expect was the fact that if they have a, a website, if they have a Facebook page in particular, not a website necessarily, but if they have a Facebook page, the Facebook page just became eh, nothing. It just stopped existing. It ceased to be. Okay, now why? Well, that's what we're here to find out. <laughs> um, Kevin, I don't think um, I don't think people expected this. One of the things that was the was the reason that the government drafted and then passed Bill C-18 was, with all due respect to TV and radio media, uh, of which we owe some of our heritage, it was basically put on the planet, on the docket, to save the print media. Because newspapers are dead or dying all, all around the world. Uh, and in Canada, just take a look at your local newspaper and see how thick it is. Thick is not a word you'd use to describe it. Locally, yesterday I picked up the Toronto Sun. Even the Sun, even the Toronto. I, couldn't yeah. I think it was 24 pages. Do you remember what it used to couldn't look like when it. It, when, if somebody delivered the Star? Oh, yeah, the Saturday. Even on a Monday? But on a Saturday. I couldn't believe it. It was at a uh, fast food chain out in Welland. Yeah. And, you know, they had the Toronto Sun there for anybody that wanted. I picked the thing up. I think it was 24 pages. And, you know, 12 of those were sports. I yeah. So due to the... And make no mistake. But let's uh, let's when, get to some of these pages. Like. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no. But make no mistake. Whether whether it's a newspaper, or whether it's a radio, or whether it's a TV, the content, the actual news content, the information content is this much. The advertising content is this much. So when the... When the advertising community fragments, then you've got an issue, and that's what this is all about. The advertising uh, and marketing dollar has been fragmented to the point where it's all gone into the ether. It's all gone into social media. But to go to Kevin's point, let's rewind and check out some of the impact that we've had because of this uh, C-18. Kevin, you can pick it up from here. Okay, so let's. I originally thought, Lee, that honestly what was going to happen is we were not going to have those easy click-to-share on Facebook buttons right. on media outlet web pages anymore. That's, I, I thought that was the extent of it. But what's really happened is they're not allowed to post their content on Facebook no. anymore. 
So you start looking at some of the, I mean, for us, and both of us worked here for a considerable amount of time. Yeah, here's a fine example. So a lot of friends working at 610CKTB doing incredible work. But if you go over to their Facebook page right now. Nothing. There, you, you, get the, you get the information on the business. That's it. But there's nothing there. Nothing there. And, and these organizations rely on their Facebook presence to be reconnected or redirected to their website, which is where their advertisers reside. And guess what? Uh, it doesn't happen. So when you've got advertisers that you have sold on the fact that we have a Facebook presence and we will redirect our uh, people that are interested in our news content back to our website, which is where they will see your advertising, uh-oh, that doesn't happen. St. Catherine Standard, same dealio. This is another local. And, and the same thing goes for the Niagara Falls Review, the Welland Tribune, the Fort Erie Review, uh, and publications and outlets across the province and across the country, period. It's the same way for everybody. There's nothing, there's nothing there. So, um, what Meta said, now, and, and at least Google, as we were talking before, Kevin, Google said, we'll talk about it. Let's, let's kind of try to sort something out here, but it never, it never amounted to anything. Meta, which is the, now you would call it Facebook, it's the Mark Zuckerberg company, just said, forget it, we're out, forget it, screw you. You're going you're gonna to play this game? The hell with you. We're done. And, and out. So now who has the power? The people have the power that always had the power, and that's the Internet. You can't regulate the Internet. A message to the Canadian government, stop trying. If media is going to be successful, if terrestrial media, if radio, if television, if newspapers, if they are going to be successful, they will be successful with their own business plan. You cannot legislate success. I'm telling you, we have been trying to do that for years. You cannot legislate success. The same thing happened back in the 60s and 70s with the record industry. When the record industry realized that the old record label formula doesn't work anymore, record labels can't sign artists and treat them like crap and take all of their music and make money from it. When that doesn't work, what happens is the government legislated the fact that radio stations had to pay a percentage of all of their revenues to the record producers and the record companies so that they could play their music. And that was the case for decades. For decades, I tell you. We paid thousands and thousands, millions, millions, I tell you, of dollars. And I'm not kidding, it's true. From ownership of uh, radio stations to play music. Why? Because the record labels lost their business model and the government legislated a solution. Or so they thought. The same thing is happening now, only in a slightly different skew, with the source of news content on social media. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what you're faced with. You're faced with your government trying to regulate the internet to a point where it saves a media outlet that may not deserve to be saved because it can't keep up with the times. It can't make a living in its current state. So we've got to save it. We've got to throw them a lifeline. Do we have to throw them a lifeline? I don't know. 
but apparently uh, the social media platforms aren't going for it. They're saying, yeah, okay, well, screw you. Not going to happen. Yeah, completely obliterated, Lee. And it was, I feel really bad for these MSM mainstream media organizations do locally. I, I do feel do bad. Do you feel bad? Well, because the government went forward with ill-fated legislature. Why didn't they consult people? I think the, they did, but, but, but you know. But did they? Oh, yeah. They? I, heard, I, heard, I heard people that are owners of uh, terrestrial media, mainstream media companies saying, we need help. We need a lifeline. We need, well, m maybe what they're saying is just write us a check. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get that sentiment that oh, everybody, that everybody was in lockstep from MSM with Bill C-1. But it, it was interesting. I mean, the government pretty much said, okay, the, you need us hey, more than we need you. Yes. And Meta said, no, no, we don't. If they're, not, if they're not in lockstep, if the media companies aren't in lockstep with what the government is doing, tell them to stop. I thought they had, but too late. I do. I honestly feel feel bad for them because as their business model started to change, they piggybacked on the success of social media, just yep. in the way that lots of people have, yep. um, to get their message out there. Yeah. And then the government went ahead and said, "Okay, fine, we'll try and call your bluff, Meta." And Meta said, "Fine, we don't need you." And the no. reality is, they don't. They don't. Right? No. They they don't. They're, Facebook doesn't need content they, from excuse, CKTB ex excuse or Excuse me, but if, if you go on Facebook or Google or any of the news sites or whatever, there are plenty, plenty of news access sites from the United States, from Europe, from South America, from Africa, from Australia, from the all over the planet. Uh, and there are ways, workarounds, whatever, if you find want to find out what's going on in Canada, there are ways to do it, but, I mean, don't piss in my boot and tell me it's raining. I'm sorry, but as you said, our media needs those social platforms more than those sat pl social platforms need our media. Absolutely. They can, live without, they can live without Canada's news sites from the CBC and 610 CKTB and uh, Chum and Chorus and Rogers and Shaw and all of these. They can live without our content. There's content all over the world that shows up on these websites. They don't need us. Yeah, interesting uh, though. Just, I mean, it just infuriates me that this, we try we try in this country to legislate ourselves to success. Well, you can't do it. I mean, this you debate can't. goes back more than ten years, and I, I remember looking at it and it's like the one thing though, Lee, that's not going away is our, and I mean residents of Niagara or whatever enclave you're part of, is our desire for local news coverage. So the model is changing. First it was, okay, we don't want to pay for it, in that we're not going to pay for subscriptions. Okay, we're right. not going to pay for it. Um, and now it's like, well, who's going to deliver it? If we're not going to pay for it, who's going to deliver yes. it? Because that thirst is not going away. And you've seen new models emerge. Right? You're starting to see new models like Niagara 411. You're seeing some other models, kind of some localized newspapers throughout mm -hmm. Niagara that are serving communities yep. where, you know, okay, we don't need a printing press. We don't need big overhead. We can probably produce. We some don't need a transmitter site. Exactly, we can produce some local content with a couple people working from home, some freelancers, and it may not be um, it may not be the business that we knew, where people are career journalists, but we can still deliver that in a model that's profitable. Nothing is the business that we knew. Look around. You can pick a business. Pick the restaurant business. Pick the media business. Pick the uh, the automotive business. Pick any kind of business that you want. 
it's a different world than it was and there's no going back but deal deal with it deal with it or die move on or move out it, it it's really very very simple if you i remember talking uh, and uh, yeah, I know I'm an old dinosaur, but I remember trying to keep up with the times when I was managing radio stations and trying to coach talent and, uh, and help young people survive. Uh, the only thing I would say at a staff meeting is if you cannot handle change, you will not survive. <laughs> Period. If you say, I don't like change. Well, you might as well leave now because if you don't like change, you have no hope. And that's the world we're living in. It's so eerie, though, Lee, to be honest, to see this. It's Eerie? You find it that way? I find it eerie. I found it inevitable. Yeah, I find it... I just find it inevitable. It was bound to happen. I don't... I'm, I'm not happy that it happened, but I am not at all surprised. Not at all surprised. Because for years I was going to conventions, uh, mainstream media conventions, and those conventions, one of the one one of the things on the itinerary was always, how do we make money from the internet? How do we monetize our web presence? The world is changing. It's not just terrestrial listening or viewing or reading we have to have a presence on the internet but then when we have a presence on the internet how do we make money from it that was the big deal how do we monetize it we can get the presence we can pay for the websites we can pay for the for the, for, for the facebook pages we can go to the google stuff but but how do we make money at it and just when they were starting to figure out how they might be able to do that the Canadian government steps in. <laughs> Yay! Let's try to legislate the fact that you can make money. Well, now it's all down the toilet. Yeah, I, I feel really bad for them because on the surface, Jeez. and trust me, I'm not a Bill C-18 expert, but it looks, me either, but it I'm looks not like a what they tried to say was, hey, Facebook, you are so good at distributing news and generating ad revenue that we think you should trickle that money down to us. And the reality is, well, why should Facebook do that? Yeah. Why should they take their funds from their popular platform and deliver it to content creators? Yeah. What you should be doing as a content creator, as mainstream media, is trying to drive clicks to your platform, either being your on-air presence, if you're a radio station, or your newspaper website, your newspaper presence, drive subscriptions, drive revenue. We are not, we, as a Meta or a Google, we are not in need of anything you have to offer. We are not subservient to your laws and your government. Period. Gortessier, I'm going to just get off the soapbox here. Thank goodness we have a reason to change the subject. Uh, Gortessier, pilot of Cessna 337, that, was, uh, that is a type of airplane that uh, made an emergency landing at the Niagara-on-the-Lake airport this past week. Gord is a member of the Civil Air uh, Search and Rescue Association. And um, it could have been a much different story than it actually turned out to be. Hey, Gord, welcome to the show. You got us okay there? Hey, Lee, can you hear me? I can so. Oh, excellent. Okay, it worked. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah, thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate uh, well, it. Well, hey, um, I'm, I'm glad you're here and able to be on. 
frankly. Yes, I'm, I'm in Trenton uh, this afternoon about to do another exercise with our uh, Canadian Armed Forces. So, CFB uh, Trenton, I, I, I know it well. I lived in that area for a number of years. But first of all, let's come back here to Niagara and tell us about, sure. tell us about your story. Uh, what, well, what happened? Walk us through this or fly us through this. Well, I'm a Civil Air Search and Rescue Association aircraft commander. With pilots, just easier. And uh, we were up on up at North Bay on a training mission. And uh, when we flew back, uh, we noticed one of the gear doors didn't open. And then when we uh, attempted to uh, deploy the gear once we were in level flight, you know, two hours out, nothing happened. So we sorry, Gord, is this is this the is this sorry to interrupt you? Is this the landing gear you're talking about? Yeah, the landing gear. Oh, yeah, okay. the wheels. They went okay. down. So yeah, stop me if I get uh, too, not enough vernacular. That's what I did. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we, uh, as we got closer, um, we were in cloud for a good part of the flight. So we, to make our load easier, we asked for a cloud break. And they uh, put us down to 3,000 feet over Lake Ontario. We uh, went through all the checklists again and tried to hand pump the gear down. And the backup system failed. Uh, we tried some some high G maneuvers just to try and force it down and nothing there and then we uh, suddenly we were at the airport so we just circled until the uh, fire and EMS and the airport uh, 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 people and maintenance people who they know the, they know the lay of the land intimately there right until they select a really good spot for me to land and in the meantime I consulted with my uh, chief flight instructor and my uh, aircraft maintenance engineer and we tried to put together a plan to best uh, get the plane down safely so um, you know, I have seen aircraft landings to where it goes very badly, and uh, I didn't want to become one of those. So uh, after we had our plan in place and all the players, all the chips were, all the, all the players were on the board, then we uh, just turned final and we landed. And it was a very, very, very quick landing from, uh, the, from the beginning now, to the end. Yeah. Had, had any of the landing gear deployed when you actually hit the runway? No, they all stayed up. So you, no, you so so you flat landed. You landed on the belly of the aircraft. Yeah, yeah, on the belly of the airplane. Yes, a few skid marks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I know you're being very humble about this, but but that takes a little bit of expertise to be able to do that, does it not? Well, it's my first one. <laughs> Hopefully your last one, but still. Yeah, my last one. You know, I'm checking all the boxes, Lee. I've already had an engine failure on takeoff. I've already had a bird strike. Two birds hit us, uh, all all on training, or, or on actual searches. And then and then there was this one. So, I jokingly say my wife now has an excuse never to fly with me again because she's not a <laughs> not a big flyer. But, she uh, probably won't. As long yeah. as your insurance uh, policy premiums are all paid up, you're all right. Thank you. Uh, the claim is works. Now, who was on the plane with you? Uh, my wife and uh, Randy Clawson. He's a retired uh, minister here in the here in the area, and uh, he was uh, along as my uh, as a uh, he's a, he's an officially a spotter with Casera, but he was sitting in the right seat with, next to me on the okay. flight home. So he George, came in handy to pump the gear down, but which didn't happen. I, I have so many questions. Um, I know I, I've driven uh, driven, flown in small aircraft before and i love it I, ju I just love flying because it gives you it gives you in, in smaller aircraft it really gives you the sense that you are flying um but i also know that uh pilots 
go through a very, very rigorous checklist uh, of, well, the entire aircraft and the process and the flight plan and the whole thing before you, before you take off. Um, and these planes are, are generally well-maintained. What happened? We don't know yet. We're about to find out. The plane will go in in a few days and we'll put it up on jacks and they will raise the plane high enough that the landing gear can swing. Yeah. And then they will, uh, Bill, my, my AME Bob, he'll uh, take a look at it is, uh, with, uh, with Mitch and then they'll take a look at it together and we'll try and get to the bottom of it. Yeah, it was uh, really something. It's never happened before in the 17 right. years I've owned the airplane. So, so that, is your own, that is your own plane? Yes, I, I own it, and uh, only took 13 years to pay it off. And so, <laughs> but so, and what, uh, what year is the airplane? A 73, which is about the average age of the fleet. Yeah. So it's, you know, it sounds old, but it's not really. Now, now, when 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 we were just a minute ago, when we were looking at a picture of the aircraft on the screen here on the show, uh, obviously there is a there's a wheel at the nose that folds back in. And, yes. and there were two truncheons uh, or whatever with, um, with with the rear wheels. You've got like a three-wheel system. Yes. Do those do those rear wheels fold in as well? Yes, they uh, they they drop and then they fold back behind. So you know, yeah. kind of like this. And plane, and, and, and they snuck on the back. Yeah, and and none of those, neither the nose wheels or the rear wheels, were responding to any of your efforts while you were in the air. Nothing. Nothing. Put the gear down. Nothing happened. So. What was the first thing that yeah. went through your mind? Well, it's just another day at Casera. Everything we do, we have a plan, and then we deviate from it. And deviate from it. I thought this is just normal. Here we go. So now we have to work through the problem. And I honestly thought once we got through the checklist, uh, we would have found a solution. But no, we had nothing. So. So yeah, from the time we that you took off and did all your checks and all your. Uh, all your walk-arounds and all the rest of it. So from that time yeah. that you took off to the time when it uh, became time to land, something went wrong. Something went wrong. Yeah, when we do a very, very thorough walk-around before we uh, before we launch, and yeah, I, I know you do. Yeah, even even after everyone's in the plane, I do a last chance check. I walk around the entire aircraft, and yeah, everything looked great. So yeah, it's what do you think? What do you, th what do you yeah. think happened? Oh, we may have had a, a seal go or something that, that blew all the hydraulic fluid out of the plane. And of course, it would just pump it out. As soon as you, you put the gear down, the, the pump kicks in and it's supposed to pump the gear down, but it looks like it just maybe ran out. And that, and that manual, and the manual effort you said that you went through and the fellow beside you went through, that is supposed to be your, your backup. Your failsafe. Yeah. yeah. It just pumped, it likely just pumped what was left overboard as well. And, and we had a quart of engine oil. Actually, we had four quarts. We, we poured a quart in, and uh, because the, the pump is actually right at my feet, so I was able to, you know, more or less get most of it in the hole, just like uh, filling up your oil on your car. Yeah. And no, nope, no difference. Could didn't, anybody if uh, could anybody with a pilot's license have landed that plane, Gord? Or are you just being, are, are are you just being humble and you're just that good? No, I, I, I you know, you're being kind. I don't know. I well, maybe it was just another landing, except uh, no, it's not just another landing. Well, well, if you've seen some of my landings, <laughs> it was just another landing. <laughs> so, you know, but I tell you, I, I gotta, I have to tell you that this is this is a team effort. This was the everything from the CEO of the airport, Dan Pilon, 
who literally dropped his golf clubs because I flew right over him at about 400 feet and uh, ran out to the golf, ran out to the airport, got on a safety vest and was there to give me a big hug after the landing. He's, he is a real CEO. This is, he's the real deal. Okay. So the, the people in the aircraft maintenance, I don't want to name anybody, but um, the maintenance people, they were there. They were absolutely phenomenal. The fire department, the EMS, and, mo and, and also my aircraft maintenance engineer and my, my, good, friend, uh, my good friend who's my flight uh, mentor to me. Uh, my CFI and the Nav Canada people, the people up in the tower. Now, maybe you phenomenal. mentioned maybe you mentioned this before, but why were you up? Why did you go for the flight? Uh, we were doing a training exercise in North Bay. Okay. Uh, we were we do we have a drone operation. Sarah's very big into drones, and we were just uh, training up some new members up there. Uh, I run the program for Ontario, and then we were uh, coming back home. Now, when you say Sarah, so, you're talking about the Civil Air Search and Rescue Association, correct? Yes. Tell we're us night. Sorry? Yep. We're a 1900 member uh, association across Canada in all provinces and territories. We uh, support the Canadian Armed Forces in their, in their uh, SAR, Search and Rescue Mandate, right. and we provide a, a backbone uh, for them. So whenever there's a, a missing aircraft or a missing boater or even someone who's out on the lake or out, on a, out in Algonquin Park, they go missing, then uh, we can be called upon to assist in the search. We're, so we're you're, so you're, the, you're pretty much on call 24-7 if it's something like that. 24-7, 365, yep, even right now. Yep. We're, and, we're, and, and where is the association focus, centered, headquartered? Uh, we're centered in Winnipeg, and uh, we have member organizations like Ontario and Quebec, and like I said, in all the provinces. And uh, ours is actually headquartered in Niagara. So, so yeah. We see a shot of the, the plane after having landed uh, without gear. Um, what, did, what, did, what did you do have to, have to do after that? Like, do, do you tow it? Do you, do you drag it along the ground? What do you, how'd you get it out of there? You know, they're, they're fantastic. And uh, again, the airport personnel and, my, and the AMEs, a couple of them came up from the Welland area to help. And basically they dragged it to the edge of the runway they put a crane on the top on the aircraft and then they uh lifted it up and then dropped the wheels and then they just towed it back in i mean this has got to be like your baby like if you're driving a car uh yeah. and your wheels fall off or something i mean it's, it's yeah. um are yeah, you worried are, are you worried about your plane yeah it might get written off you know this is like an old friend we've been together for 17 years and uh, we've been through a lot together so uh I'm I'm sure there'll be a few tears if I uh, if they decide it's economically not feasible to repair it. Right. So, Gord, I, I yeah. just want to ask you a question here. It's uh, it's Kevin. You just can't see me off screen, but we're looking at a photo hey, here of the plane down in the grass and kind of the little chasm that it carved yeah. for itself there. When you're up in the air and you understand that you're in distress, um, as a pilot, where where do you go to next? Are you immediately a hundred percent confident that? we're going to land this safely or where are you on that spectrum huh well somewhere in the middle <laughs> <laughs> now you the first thing you do is you communicate navigate aviate, aviate navigate communicate those are the, uh, the 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 mantra of a pilot aviate fly the plane navigate um, go somewhere and then communicate so once you you know in life there's always things that are bigger than you right so and that's the time to reach out for help so as soon as I did that, it, then it became a team effort, and I really was never alone. I had all of these people watching, and your wonderful station, I think I had it, uh, the last time I checked it, like about 500 people praying for us. So 
how could we fail? <laughs> no, did, you, just did you get that sense, Dan? I mean, you had to circle that airport, and on Sunday, a lot of followers of Niagara 411 was watching this unfold almost in real time. You were up there yeah. circling for almost an hour. Did you see um, safety crews and people kind of gathering below? Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm intimately familiar with the airport, so I, I could see them at the gate, all the fire trucks lining up and more coming in. And and I, I know the airport personnel very well, you know, on a first-name basis. And uh, and uh, it was just a matter of waiting. We had we had another three hours of fuel left when we landed, so there was lots of time to, to prepare. So how do you, how do you change your approach? I mean, I'm assuming that you would have to try to come in at a slower speed at a much reduced angle to, to try to minimize the impact. Am I, uh, am, am I off base here? Oh, we, we came in a little flatter than we usually do. Usually it's a nice, uh, but this time we, and then there's another factor. We're trying to save the engine. So if we can get them shut off in time and we can right. get the props level, then we can, uh, we can pull it off without damaging the engines and minimizing the overall damage to the aircraft. But Right. Um, front engine, it wasn't in the cards, but we did come in flat, and then we just uh, just held it off the uh, off the grass and let the airspeed gently bleed. And then we were lucky that day. We uh, we have a G meter on board, the gravity, and it tells us how hard or how many Gs we pull. Okay. It was uh, 1.2, and you know you and I sitting here are one, so we didn't hit very hard at all. We just uh, were able to just kiss the ground and then uh, <laughs> and then started to go sideways. I was so you, like, so you did up. a bit of you did a bit of a slide, obviously. Oh uh, yes, four hundred and fifty feet. Yep. Yeah, four hundred and fifty feet. Yeah, that's the record for me. That's the shortest I've ever got it down. <laughs> wow. I mean that that that's that's the length of a really hard hit baseball in Major League Baseball. Like yeah. you went you went from home plate way out into center field. Yeah, right, right to the bullpen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that paints a picture for you right yeah. there. Four hundred and fifty feet of slide time. Yeah, slide time. Yeah, the the, the, the gents, the, the gentleman measured it with a ruler. Holy yeah, crap! Bullpen. Now, uh, yeah. how are your uh, how are your passengers uh, through all this, uh, well, Gordon? Are my, you still my, married? I'm still married. Uh, my okay. wife got a little sick of the plane after or on the way because not not because of the accident, but she doesn't like, you know, lots of turns. So we're circling and circling, and that upset her. But uh, the gentleman next to me, I, you know, he got out. He was a big toothy grin, and uh, you know, and it's just a big adventure, right? So, yeah. Not everybody can say they. I guess not everybody can say they avoided what is ostensibly a crash landing. Yeah, that was a crash landing. Yeah, it meets it meets the definition. I, yeah. I would I would think I would think so. All right. So, what sort of time frame now? I have so many questions. What sort of time yeah. frame now before this analysis takes place uh, and the the result is published and uh, et cetera? Till you can get going again. Well, a couple of weeks we'll figure out what happened, and then I'll notify the TSB, the Transportation Safety Board. Just let them know in case it's something that uh, other similar aircraft might. Uh, might have to endure so if we get the knowledge out there maybe we can prevent another another loss yeah uh and then as far as the aircraft if they decide to fix it it may be a few months if they decide to write it off well maybe a few months before i can can procure another one so and yeah. then take another and well there's obviously insurances involved and whatnot yeah, there's, there's insurance that'll cover most of it but not all of it yeah yeah 
Yeah. Um, yeah, they don't cover up. Unfortunately. Well, and and what sort of uh, what sort of training are you uh, are you initiating uh, at CFB Trenton this week? Oh, we got a bit of a freeze. Well, today we are at the lovely ski park of Battawa. Yeah, Battawa, Ontario. Yes. Yeah. Can you hear me now? I can. Yeah. Okay, we're at Battawa, Ontario, and we are uh, engaged in drone operations. We're making a presentation to uh, to the military today. Uh, we're going to show them uh, the, what the capabilities of our our pass systems are. Our pass is another acronym: remotely piloted aircraft system. We call them drones. Um, uh, they don't, they're a camera platform essentially. We don't no rockets or any anything nefarious on right. it. It's just the it's to save lives, basically. It's to locate, locate people that are lost in the woods. Uh, we do this in harmony with some beautiful software called Locate, L-O-C-8, invented by a Canadian out, uh, out west by the name of Shane Seats, and uh, it allows us to scan for a particular color that doesn't belong, maybe in the woods or out on a lake. And, uh, and then uh, pictures are geotagged with the latitude and longitude, so then we can send a team in, find the person, and hopefully bring them to a higher level of the care. So has this so. been, uh, has, has flying been your day job uh, as a career oh. your entire life, or did you, did, you oh. have a, did you have a real job at some point? I, I still do have a real job, actually. I'm one of the state farm agents that uh, we're not endangered in. So uh, my father was in the business, my brother Mike and uh, Michael, and uh, a few cousins. So we're uh, we're State Farm Desjardins family, and we've been doing that for uh, well, for me, almost 35 years, now, over 35 years now. So, and I'm so grateful to my customers, my policyholders, because they they're the ones paying the freight, so that I can I can do this when uh, when I take a holiday or as I. As, a, as as I'm called. Well, it's so, nice to know that you're all well insured. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have great <laughs> friends, great customers, and great people. I even got a call today from one of my longtime insureds, Bob, who called me and uh, said, "I just just wanted to touch base with you. Make sure don't call me back. So I'll let you know we're thinking about you. We saw the article in the Standard. So yeah, I'm a lucky guy. I really am. Well, yeah, you are a lucky guy, and you're obviously a good pilot. Uh, and uh, thank you for the work you do with uh, the Civil Air Search and Rescue Association. I hope your training week goes well. Uh, I'm glad this, uh, I, I'm glad this uh, incident turned out the way it did. Uh, congratulations, good job, and uh, we, shall, uh, we shall see you in the air again sometime soon, I'm sure. I hope so, and thank you so much, and to all the listeners there that, uh, that posted comments on the Niagara 411 page, I was just, uh, you know, I was just, I was in tears. And just so many nice thoughts. Well, you're welcome. Uh, and uh, you have a great week, and thanks for joining us today, Gord. You bet. Okay. Gord Tessier. Take care. Kevin, uh, uh, one of the things that we seem to see that uh, people that go through harrowing experiences like this have in common is the fact that they all seem rather humble, like, a, oh, ho-hum, it was just another day. Well, that wasn't just another day for those, for those folks, and we appreciate Gord coming on. Our sponsors, we also appreciate uh, for coming on here each and every week. We are fueled here at Niagara 411 Live with Lee Sterry by Gales Gas Bars, locally owned and operated for three generations. Gales is here to help with all of your petroleum needs. Come winter, come summer, they deliver uh, heating oil. It's not just, it's not just you that uh, pulls up at the pumps to uh, pump a few liters of gas. There is so, so much 
that they do as a community citizen here and so much they do to uh, provide the petroleum needs of Niagara. Don't forget to check out their rewards loyalty program as well. Uh, you can check your balance at any time. You can sign in and register terms and conditions and all kinds of questions, whatever. Gales.ca. It's a very simple uh, website, so check them out. So we, uh, we, we thank Gales very much. We were talking about insurance a little while ago, and for all of your insurance needs, Verge Insurance Brokers Limited, another born and bred Niagara company. And that's what we are here for. We, we, we try to promote it every week, and sometimes we don't mention it often enough. But this show, born and bred here in Niagara, as is Niagara 411 from Nick. Hi, Nick's mom again. Uh, another Niagara sourced and supplied uh, company and outlet here uh, for you each and every day. We do this show every couple of weeks, and uh, Virgin Insurance helps us do that. Also, Hartzell Marine. Hartzell Marine is uh, located on uh, Ormond Street in, uh, in Thorold. They are Niagara's only legend boats and uh, Mercury Marine dealer as well. Uh, Dave DeGrave and his gang would uh, love to talk to you. We are, I guess, maybe about two-thirds through, maybe not two-thirds uh, yet, through the boating season here in Niagara. But Hartzell Marine Services, uh, more than ready, willing, and able to uh, assist you with whatever you need. And don't forget, they're the exclusive legend boat dealer here in Niagara. Also, Ace Alignment uh, is, uh, is with us on the program. And... Again, I forget how many weeks, but the weeks go flying by. Ace Alignment, specializing in alignments, of course, and brakes and suspension, MCO motor vehicle inspection, inspections. You can get your safeties done there. Uh, all sorts of front-end work for all types and models of cars, be they European, be they exotic, be they domestic. Ace Alignment is the place for you to go, and the two guys you want to talk to when you go in there are Darren Miller and Matt Crompton. Those are the those are the dudes that will look after you. Darren's the head mechanic. Uh, Matt's a senior mechanic. So between the two of them, they got you covered for sure. So thank you uh, to uh, Janice and uh, her gang at Ace Alignment for being part of this program. Uh, again, uh, Beau Chapeau head, sh uh, head Shop. Did I say head shop? Hat shop. There's a big difference between a head shop and a hat shop. <laughs> But uh, Beau Chapeau, uh, Kevin Newfeld and his gang, and uh, man, Niagara on the Lake, Kevin was hopping this past week. There was a peach festival that was on, and uh, oh, there was something else going on in, in Niagara on the Lake. I don't know where anybody parked. Well, the peach <laughs> festival, I mean, I don't know if I've just been asleep on this, but I was actually talking with Kevin, Kevin from uh, Beau Chapeau, yeah. and he was saying, oh yeah, every year, that is far and away our number one weekend. It is all hands on deck. You know, when all the people it's sign up nuts. and say, okay, we're working at Beau Chapeau, you go, okay, here's the one deal, though. Peach Festival, you're working. Every other day of the year, whatever, you want a vacation, you're sick, what have mm -hmm. you. Peach Festival, everybody's working. He said yeah. it's the biggest day. He said there were tens of thousands of people right there in the core of, uh, of Niagara-on-the-Lake. And I don't know, have you ever been to the Peach Festival? I've yes. Actually, I've actually never been. Kevin, uh, back in the 1970s, and I know this is the Stone Age, the Peach Festival used to be bigger than grape and wine uh, because the peach orchards were more prevalent than grape vineyards in the time. I used to be one of the, as, as a radio personality here in the area, I used to be invited to be one of the judges for the Miss Peach Festival 
uh, contest. Back in the day when the Jockey Club was were movers and groovers and the Fort Erie Racetrack was a great big deal. We would have massive Peach Festival receptions and parties and dinners and things like that at the Fort Erie Racetrack um, as, uh, as, as per the Fort Erie Jockey Club and it was a big deal. It was a huge, huge deal uh, back in the day. And now I know we still turn out some wonderful peaches, but it is not as big uh, an issue as it was back then. But uh, apparently still a big deal though. I mean, at least for, uh, for it, it Kevin is a, and those It is a big retailers. deal in that community. There's no, there's no doubt about the fact that it is a, a very big deal in that, uh, in that, in that community. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Lee, and Kevin, yes. Kevin, not to you, to Kevin Newfeld. I lost my really nice straw hat. I had a beautiful summer straw hat that I got from Beau Chapeau and I got to replace it. I got to come down and see you. Talk to Kevin and the crew down there. Right I, the, I love that hat. Right in the heart of Niagara-on-the-Lake. Uh, Lee, we got something. I know we want to get back to kind of some of uh, what's been going on. Just so you know, uh, Mike Strange is out on yes. uh, Box Run. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll get to some video of him. People um, want to hear. People hear Fox Run. It's not a Fox Run. It's a Box Run. And as in a, a box. Because it's a trail run, um, you know, his schedule's a little bit. So we're going to try right. and squeeze him in between now and now and one thirty. Okay. So I think we'll get him in uh, before the end of the show. But here's something that Nick has posted which is a, a little bit of a developing story. And you talk about us being gripped to Gord and his plane. Well, these ones, I, I can't help but kind of watching the comments to see how this plays out. And I hope it ends safely for everyone. Okay, Fort Erie Rescue Boat 4 is responding to Lake Erie at Bay Beach for a person on a recreational... Oh, gee, another one of these. A person on a recreational flotation device that has drifted out past the buoy and is unable to get back. Port Colburn Marine Auxiliary Rescue is responding. Now, go. and here's some of the, here's some of your comments. Private boat unable to assist and bring the occupant back to shore. Everyone is safely back on land, so says that. That's good. The recreation floating device rescues uh, is getting out of hand. I agree, Brandon. I'm always blown away how people can do this. Um, hope they're okay. Flotation devices uh, seem to be getting away in the people's more and more. Uh, great response from Fire Station 41. Way to go, Fire Station 41. Rescue boat plus another boat and canoe arrived to help them. Um, look at the hall monitors. Don't know what that means. Um, start sending these people a bill. Uh, we've, uh, we, Kevin, we've talked about this so many times with, with, when there are gorge rescues, when Gamru goes out of Grimsby, when we've got the, the uh, air search and rescue, like we were just talking to Gord Tessier about. Um, yeah, we, and, and we do have these organizations that go above and beyond the call of duty to rescue people that are in distress. But anytime you have an area like this, other areas, I suppose, as well, but especially where you've got so much water and you have so much elevation. You've got the escarpment, you've got the gorge, you've got the falls, you've got the river and the, and the lakes, etc. Eventually, through no fault of their own, I'm sure people are going to get into trouble. We need people to, to rescue them, to help them out. And you can't charge everybody for every little thing. I, I agree that some people do some stupid or let's say ill-advised things. Going out into one of the Great Lakes 
in an inflatable recreational device that should be used in a pool, that might be termed as being ill-advised. Uh, and yes, you would say, what are you thinking? But they don't deserve to die. They deserve to be rescued the way anybody else deserves to be rescued. And you hope that they've learned a lesson along the way. And at some point in time, if they have somehow uh, breached some sort of rule, there would probably be a fine. But I guess we leave that up to the local constabulary to determine. But at least it looks like in this case, Kevin, uh, everybody's okay. So there we go. Yeah, I guess so. It's, um, I think people don't, I guess they don't really get the risk involved. You know, you go out well, on, a, on a little floaty on a, on a calm day and maybe the wind pushes you a little further from shore and you start to try and paddle back in and realize that you're getting nowhere. If you've, um, if you've just stood, go to Port Dalhousie, for example, uh, or just down by the lakefront. I'm not talking about where there's a beach necessarily but just the raw lake shore, just the raw lake form in, uh, lakefront in either Ontario or uh, Erie or, or even the Niagara River, for example. You can stand on the shore and on a day like today, it looks fairly calm. You see a few ripples, perhaps, and you think, oh, I could, I could take my little inflatable chair out there and have a nice float. Well, there is a lot more going on in that body of water than meets the eye. And before you know it, that little floaty has whisked you away to some place that you never intended to be. And unless you are an incredibly strong swimmer, you're going to be in trouble. Kevin, you drive along the Niagara Parkway, let's say between Chippewa and Fort Erie, which is the more calm area of, it looks to be, the calmest area of the Niagara River. I, when I was a kid, I used to swim in there, but not too far from shore. But I'm a pretty good swimmer. I was always a really strong swimmer. I grew up on the river and um, kind of know my way around. But you still have to be very, very careful. You still have to respect that water. And when you're standing there on the shore of the Niagara River at what looks like the calmest spot, if you really look, that current, is moving and it's moving fast and if you are attempting to swim against that current you've got a chore on your hands a lot of people have thought oh how easy it would be to swim from Canada to the United States doesn't look that far it's right there I could swim across that well before you before you know it you start out here and you way down there you still might be going across a little bit, but you are definitely not going directly across. You are going diagonally, and if you're not strong, you're going to get caught up in something that you don't expect and you don't, you don't want, you didn't bargain for. So people come here and they do not realize the power of nature that they're dealing with. And that's why we have to have these rescue people. It's not the fact that people are stupid, they're just ill-advised. They're just, well, maybe some people are stupid, but not counting them, um, you just might be doing things because you don't know any better. And that's a problem. And that's why we have these wonderful rescue organizations that do what they do. And they do it so well, be it in the air, in the water, uh, on the hiking trails, or wherever. That's what, 
That's what we have these people for, and thank God that we do have them, because we'd be in terrible trouble if we did not. Um, Kevin, I know you're trying to track Mike uh, Strange. Uh, he is on a 1,000-kilometer trail run from Tobermory back to Niagara, and this is something like day six, and it's a very special kind of uh, feat because it's part of what Kevin mentioned before is uh, Mike's overall umbrella initiative is called Box Run. And he, he runs always in aid of uh, pediatric cancer. Runs for the kids. Uh, and it's kind of a neat wrinkle that he has going this year is the fact that every day he's running for a particular person. You see there, the thousand kilometer trail run. On August the 11th, it was Liam Whitfield. Uh, and Adrian Cooper. Right, so today we're what, 15th, 16th? We're, we're the 16th today. So today... Sorry, there you go, Cole Bragg. Mike is running with, for Cole Bragg and Trenton Sebastian. And uh, and also Councillor Peter D'Angelo is... Uh, Peter Angelo. Uh, Peter Angelo, I'm sorry. I said D'Angelo, didn't I, sorry. Peter Angelo is, um, is running with Mike on... Uh, on this initiative. So we're trying to catch up with him wherever he is to come on and give us a bit of, a, now, bit uh, of an update. Here's, an, here's another guy that was on a, a bit of a run himself. Yes. What do I want to call it? Misdemeanor theft, mini thefts, whatever it is. Suspect sought after fuel drive-off. Um, I call this a theft. 655 in the PM, the Shell gas station at the corner of Bunting Road and Carlton in St. Catharines. Uh, guy's driving a Nissan Murano. If you can identify him, he did a he did a gas and dash at that at that location. And as a matter of fact, a few years ago when I was doing live talk radio, as was Kevin, and we mentioned uh, CKTV here, a little while ago, um, one of the people that I interviewed on this exact subject was Jessica Friesen. She is uh, the CEO and owner-operator of Gales Gas that is the lead sponsor of this program. And we were talking about this express issue of having to prepay at the pump or inside the building before you are allowed to pump gas. And here is yet another example of why that is so important. The reason that Jessica and I were talking about it uh, on the radio many years ago is the fact that there was a person dragged and killed at a Vancouver gas station because the, the attendant went out to try to stop somebody that was driving away without paying for their gasoline at the pump and they were dragged by a car and they were killed. And it was so un conscionable to me that we still have places where you can go and pump gas before you pay for it. It should not be the case. Too many people have been hurt. Too many people have done the, done the gas and dash now, thing. Hold on, Lee. I'm just looking at this. I wonder if anybody... Is it just me or is he wearing gloves? So does this mean it's like it was, was very premeditated? premeditated? Didn't want to leave any he, fingerprints behind? He was afraid of getting fingerprints on a gas hose? 
Really? Like, really? Yeah. Like, that's going to hold up in law? Oh, I don't know. It doesn't seem that's to make... really weird, though. I mean, look at it. It's a nice sunny day. Unless he's a racing glove guy. But I want to get Jessica back on here at some point in time, too, to talk about this again. Because, frankly, I thought this had already been dealt with as, as an issue. I thought we'd put this issue behind us across the country. Because at the same time we were talking with Jessica Friesen about this, uh, we were talking to a fellow who was the head of the association to which convenience stores belong. You know, the convenience stores that have gas bars attached, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, there was an issue. Uh, I mean, they, they weighed in on that issue as well. I just don't understand why, in this day and age, why, why people have the ability anywhere to pump gas before they pay for it. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I'm looking through a lot of the comments, and somebody on here, and I'm just trying to find it, they indicated that, yeah, this happened four times to me the other day, working at... It should be know. impossible for that to happen. And a company like Shell, change your technology around for the, for the love of they're also Pete, trying to, they're also trying whoever to Pete is. They're trying to convenience us, right? I mean, it, eventually we get to the point but where we're living no in a society where everybody's a crook, right? It's a hell of a lot more convenient, Kevin, for me to shove my Visa card into a a pump and have it authorized before I pump than to pump gas and go into the store. That's a hell of a lot more convenient. It's very inconvenient to pump gas and then have to walk in to pay for it. That's inconvenient. All right. Not fair. Fair. Good point. Um, looks like we're just going to track down um, Mike Strange here on the road of the <laughs> box run. So just while I'm setting that up, Lee, uh, just happy to know that, you know, the audience of Niagara 411 here, Maddie Blacklung. It looks like he caught this guy, so he's already identified him. Oh, Lou Bega. That sounds like some sort of singer. Yeah, remember Lou Bega saying <laughs> Mambo number five? Yeah. Looks exactly Mambo, like that guy. Mambo number five. He's <laughs> yeah, looks exactly like that guy. All right. Pay before you pump is common now and needed. Thank you, Randy, the voice of reason, right there in front of you on the screen. Ridiculous. Well, hey, wiping wiping the well-earned sweat from his brow here is uh, Niagara Falls City Councilor Mike Strange. Hey, Mike, how are you? Uh, I just got off the road myself and Vic, and uh, uh, pretty tired. You know, we got up early, and we thought it was going to be more on the road today, um, and it appeared that way when we first started, but then we started going up and down the escarpment, and big, huge rocks and boulders, and it's really, really tough days so far. We're just halfway there. Uh, how far did how far did you run today? Uh, we're twenty kilometers in. Yeah. But no, normally, normally, you know, on the road, it would take you know average probably two hours. It's taken basically four hours to do this because we're up and down the hill several times, and the the terrain is is brutal with tree roots and huge huge rocks. So you're stepping on these rocks, and you got to be very careful. So you're almost kind of doing a like a light walk run type thing okay so who was the brain trust that mapped out your trail couldn't you have gone on a better trail <laughs> well i think the bruce trail is such a, a world renowned trail and and you know it's you know it's it's iconic and it really is so we wanted to test ourselves and i think that's part of it you know especially yeah. you're doing something for for childhood cancer and, and see children suffering you want to actually you know not that yeah, you dude. ever hope you're in that position but you want to challenge yourself to the point where you want to actually kind of quit and, to be, and don't quit. To be perfectly honest, um, 
as familiar with the Bruce Trail as I am over, over time. I thought the trail itself was a little less onerous than that. I didn't realize that you had those kind of obstacles that you'd be dealing with. Yeah, well, the first three days, because we added kilometers onto it to make it a thousand kilometer trail, was just along the road, which 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 is still hard. Obviously, we're doing sure. forty kilometers a day, but once you get on, starting in Tobamori, I think the first few days are really tough. Like we we do, we train in like Short Hills, Queenston, that area, and it's tough. But we know the area too. Um, but th this one is just up and down and up and down, and then you got. You know, around four o'clock, that's when the mosquitoes, black flies come out. And it just constantly just waving them around and they're chasing around. It's just, it's <laughs> frustrating. It really is. It gets, wow. it's a roller coaster in, in mentally. Because you're kind of gung ho at first in the morning to go and then you're good. And then, you know, near the end, like we're, we're this testing ourselves to, it right to, now. It starts to wear you down, doesn't it? Oh, it does. Yeah. Like physically, but then mentally too. Like, you know, and I got, Vic in, in, in the background asked me, how many kilometers left? How many? I go, I don't know idea. So you've got Counselor, you got, uh, Counselor Angelo with you? Yep, Peter Angelo. Yeah, how's Peter doing? He's doing good. He's drinking some water right now. Okay. All right. Wait, Vic. <laughs> there he is. Hello. How you doing? <laughs> how you doing, Peter? Uh, Pretty good. Yeah, no complaints. So, Gord, your your box run initiative has been going for quite some time now. To your to your credit, and you always run for pediatric cancer causes. Uh, this 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 run has really kind of a special twist to it. As we were talking about before, we made contact with you. Is you are running for some specific children every day you're out there, and I thought that was really a I thought that was really a nice twist on what you're doing here. Yeah, and we have 58 children that we're basically run for. So every day we run for at least one or two. Today is uh, uh, Trenton Sebastian and Cole Bragg, who are both uh, um, had leukemia and um, went through hemo and blood pokes and so much of treatment. Just as you know, they're just young kids, right? It's just just sad to see that happen to, to any any child right so yeah. we like to tell their stories and you know you know some kids aren't as lucky as these two and 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 haven't made it and we love to tell their stories too because like to carry on their legacy and and tell their story because every story is like a book it really is, it is. And what they've gone years and years and years of chemo and then they've uh they've you know doing well and then they've relapsed and it's just you know some are great stories and it's it's a there's like a like we're doing the trail roller coaster, it's the same thing with with their their treatment and with their lives because they're up and down, up and down, and then even the ones that some of them have have beaten cancer, um, you know, they still have the effects of the the treatment. And that is the that is the scourge of that horrible disease in that it's not just one thing. There's uh, dozens and dozens of different ways that it can jump up and bite you and children in particular and families it's just uh, it's just a multi-headed monster that we've been uh, trying to battle for so so long and it's so um, it must get pretty frustrating for especially for somebody that's trying to fight it and fighting it as long as you have yeah it's uh, you know it's, yeah it's 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 to win sometimes for for some of these some of these kids and and the treatment is getting better there are particular cancers that there's there's not 
Um, but you know, with, with Dr. Part of our funds are going to Dr. Singh's uh, stem cell research lab uh, for childhood cancer in McMaster. And, and just recently on CHCH, it was announced the special um, uh, treatment that they're doing is actually attacking the actually brain cancer uh, stem cell without attacking any other stem cells around it, which is mm -hmm. so, so important without affecting everything. You know, when they blast this chemo through your whole body and it's, you know, you're, you're attacking, you know, the, the, the bad cell, but you're also attacking all the good cells too. And that's what they're getting all the long-term effects and secondary cancer and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it's really awesome that um, um, the particular stem cell lab that we're going, that we're give the funds to, and they're, uh, they're about to go to clinical trials. So, and all of this needs funding and sometimes well, real, you don't see that. That's really positive, positive. It really news. is, you know what I mean? And, and when we first started, we didn't really see that research that much, so that's why we wanted to give half there and half to Ronald McDonald House, um, where actually they help families where they can stay yeah. there, they can sleep there, they eat there, um, they have their, their kids there, and they take care of them, and, and uh, they can park there where they're only steps away from, from the hospital. So you can imagine the effect it takes on, on, on families, the financial burden, while lo their loved one, their loved child is sick in the hospital, and then they have to, with that financial, we try to rent a hotel and get food and all this sort of stuff. Ronald McDonald House takes care of it. It, it. it really is amazing. And then, you know, within six months ago, when we heard about on CHCH about Dr. Singh's lab, we heard about it. And I'm like, because I always watch it because CHCH, because they see Jim Daddy on there. I want to know what's going on, <laughs> what's going on sometimes, what's he going to say. And then it said, break breakthrough in childhood cancer research. I'm like, oh my God. So me and my girlfriend are watching it. We're like, wouldn't this be awesome if it was Dr. Singh's lab? Sure enough, at the bottom, it said Dr. Singh, and it had a little, a little blotch at the, at the bottom of it just talking about it. And right. we both started crying because it was like, we we don't really see that research sometimes. And when you see yeah. something positive in that, and now, and they thanked us right on there. And it's just like, and there's several other organizations that are raising money for the same cause. And this is just not for Hamilton. This is worldwide stuff. It's great. Absolutely. So are you on track? Uh, I know the box run, you got the box run because you've got that, uh, that great history uh, in, the, in, in the Olympic movement as a, as a, as a famed uh, pugilist. So that's where, the, that's where the word box run comes from, right? Yeah, we couldn't fit pugilist run, so we, we stuck with the box. <laughs> yeah, sorry, you're making fun of my language now. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I just want to ask, uh, Mike, hop in. I'm uh, just hopping in the background here. Say hi to Vic. I wish you guys all the best. Um, what's what's the plan when you guys finally arrive in Niagara? Are you going off the Bruce Trail? Is there kind of a closing ceremony type thing? Well, there is. We're actually running to the end of the trail and then we're running right to Oaks Park where our Heaters Heroes, our 12th annual, annual Heaters Heroes uh, run for children is at Oaks Park where we help local children with terminal illnesses and life altering illnesses and, and injuries. And a lot of these kids that we're uh, dedicating every day to our former Heaters Heroes. So we get a lot of them coming and a lot of them are alumni who actually are celebrities and they, 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 they walk with the the current heaters heroes which gives them a little inspiration what uh what day is that slated to take place mike that would be the last day so day number 30. september 9th september 9th Sorry. september 9th okay all right that's where we're headed that's the benchmark uh, benchmark are you on track for that you said you had a rough day today right now yeah yeah we have a tough one because we, we we still have to go quite a way to 
to reach Hope Bay. We're about, I think, about 20, uh, 23 kilometers away, so we're more than half still have to well, go. Take a, so. take a dip in Hope Bay. Went camping there a couple of years ago. It's beautiful there. You can there walk you out. go. See, Kevin, I love that. You can I, walk you out know, in that I'm water gonna... for miles. So <laughs> yeah, I, and you know nice what? Dip. You go along, and, and sometimes I, you know, I'm in such trying to rush, trying to get off the trail myself and Vic that we just we're just trying to you know because there's some great views from up top of the escarpment and stuff and I have to remind myself just take a couple minutes take just a to moment, view everything yeah. yeah because it's like you know and and you want to you know you're beating yourself up because you're not in time or it should take this long and stuff like that it gets it, it gets in your head so much too um but in the end you know it's, it's all about these children and, and the cause and um uh you know, we at night we stay in this camper, and um, but we always like to have a hot sh shower or jump in the in the water in Georgian Bay somewhere. Um, but uh, it's 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 really nice. And uh, but the important thing is we love people to donate, and, and if yeah. anyone would like to donate, goes to to www.boxrun.org. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, we appreciate you uh, you letting us in and and, and talking about hey, the anytime. Rest. Anytime. Uh, stay safe out there. Don't twist an ankle or whatever and uh, have fun. And uh, do take a minute and stop and smell the roses every now and then. Mike, you're doing great work. I will, for sure. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, guys. All right. You're welcome. Take care. You too. Bye. Now. Some wonderful people doing some wonderful things, Kevin. Uh, you know, it's easy to focus on the dark side sometimes, but uh, there is always, a, always one of those bright lights that shine through. Uh, I remember Leonard Cohen wrote a song one time and there was a lyric in it and that always stayed with me and it, uh, the lyric went like this, there is a crack, there is a crack in everything, but that's how the light gets through. Good job, Mike. Peter Angelo, uh, all the rest of uh, the folks that are supporting this, uh, this run. Yeah, terrific. What's Restream up to these days, Kevin? I haven't had an opportunity to talk to you very much. Kevin Jack, ladies and gentlemen, he is the co-founder of Restream with Brandon Scram, Canada's premier streaming company. And that means that uh, anything that you need done or you need people showing up at, sorry for dangling my participle, um, you can have it streamed and have people there. We were talking about the power and the impact of social media, and here's a company that instead of trying to fight it, joined it, and uh, you're doing great because of it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks very much for that, Lee, and setting me up here to let you know that, uh, you know, we were talking to Gord Tessier. He's up at CFB Trenton. We're very proud to, to work alongside our uh, brothers and sisters in the military. In early September, we'll be heading up to CFB Borden, to do uh, some live streaming for um, for the Canadian forces, so awesome. you know, and uh, the rest of August just kind of taking it slow as as we should with some young children at home and trying to, like Mike said, you know, take a moment out just to appreciate the view and uh, and Brandon, myself, and our families really try and work that into our schedules as well. So, what are you doing? Uh, what are you streaming for the military? We'll be streaming the Canadian Military Slow Pitch Championships. All right. Yeah, it's a little softball up there. I haven't done slow pitch since, I think, before the pandemic. All right. So very much looking forward to do that. Uh, Lee, there was some um, a lot of, like, petty crime <laughs> on our radar. And this one. I know. We were talking about, yeah. This one particularly hit me close to home, as I'm sure it did a lot of other parents in the region, with vandals 
um, just taking it to Heartland Forest. Heartland Forest, yeah. I mean, Heartland Forest, Lee, if you're not sure, and I might be getting it wrong, but I believe it's the brainchild completely of Dan of Dan's Produce. Okay. And he donated the land, and everything there has come from donations. I don't think they ask for much. I know they deal a lot with um, with um, developmentally delayed adults throughout the region. Uh, they're always doing really good things. And unfortunately, a couple of teenagers went in there well, at night and started to destroy all that Dan has are, built. Are we looking at dudes in, like, hazmat suits? or? Uh, it's at night. It's at night, so they all look like they're dressed in white. Yeah, so here's some of the destruction, right? I mean, just senseless. Yeah. What is... We have always dealt over over the years, over the decades, over the generations with senseless vandalism, I suppose. But why? Especially someplace like this that is supposed to be for the good of families and kids and stuff. Like, what do, what do you damage something like, what do you damage the his, uh, Heartland Forest nature experience for? What do you get out of that? You yeah. jealous for some stupid reason that they're doing something better than you're doing? Like, if you can't enjoy it, nobody can enjoy it? What, what is the motivation? I do not understand it, Kevin. I do no, not I, understand I it. almost hear that coming from... When I look at these photos, Lee, I feel for this guy. This guy in the back, to me, looks like somebody that's not really a willing participant. No, he's just he's hanging guy, out. He's the guy going, guys, what are we doing here? Yeah. And you see even this picture, right? Three guys up front, one and guy. And he's standing over here. He's um, the only one you're going to be able to identify. Too. Unfortunately, I think he's probably the kid in the four that's saying, he's, he's uh, "Guys, what are, what are we doing? Why are we?" Why he's are the we one that's going to get stuff? caught. Like, why? why? Why do you do this, you idiots? I mean, Heartland Forest—it's really good. It's a great place. I mean, you want to talk about people like Mike Strange giving back to the community? This is Dan of Dan's Produce giving okay. back. I mean, they've got. But then there's the then you know, the here's, then drum circle they're hosting. But then there's the Martindale uh, barber shop that was like a smash oh, yeah. and dash thing. Yeah, that's a crazy one Who too. smashes the front window of a barber shop? Did somebody cut it too short? I mean, what is your... What are you doing? Yeah, let me get that one because that one was weird and you see the guys crawl in and they go right after the POS like the... The point of sale machine, the, the debit machine, whatever you want to call it. Here it is right here. Why? It doesn't have any money in it. Okay, so here they come. Break through the door. Here he comes, whoever it is, and goes for that. Now, do, are, there, are there card numbers stored in there? Here's somebody else popping in to have a good look. Why? What is in there that they're after? They went directly, as you say, they went directly there. Does it have a memory in there of, of cards and uh, do they think it has a memory in there of cards and pin numbers and things? That has to be what they're thinking, Kevin. But at a barber shop, how much how high volume could that be? And that's all they took. 
doofuses. Martindale Nails Spa. Martindale Barbershop in St. Catharines along with Martindale Nails Spa in the Huntington Square. Thank Just you very much. All that, did, grab. all that did was cause that business owner, those business owners, a bunch of trouble. It probably didn't cost them any money, cash money or whatever. It just cost them a lot of trouble. Well, they probably got to replace their POS system. Well, yeah, but, you know, insurances and whatnot. But it's just, it's just trouble. You, couldn't, you can't wake up and come in and do your business every day because you got your stuff got. It's just senseless. There had to be a reason. I wanted. To, I wanted. Like to talk to these jackasses to know what the hell they were thinking. I mean, here you have the the attack Heartland Forest. Here's just like a mom pop barber shop, and then you know, equally as dismayed at this one on on Scott Street. Now this is the, this is one too that. Come on, this is a thrift store. This is the Mission Thrift Store, on Scott Street. Right at the end of Seacord, uh, there, where Seacord meets Scott. There's a strip mall there. There's a bicycle store. It's right by our office. I see yeah, it. Right near where you guys are, yeah. My wife and I go in there quite often. She finds all kinds of stuff she likes in there. But it's a charity shop. It's a mission thrift store. Like, <laughs> what are you stealing that you can't get for a buck fifty when it's open? I don't. I don't. The mind reels. I guess that maybe there are some people... Uh, I mean, I'm not a super wealthy guy, but I guess I'm okay. I know where my next meal is coming from, but who are these people? What is, what's wrong with them? What do they need? If they just asked for something because they needed it, there would be somebody, probably from the Mission Thrift Store, that would get it for them and help them out. But no, they got to break in and smash the window and cause destruction and money and heartache and time and effort and just it's just angst it's stress. senseless I, I don't get it and then you know and then last week we had we had this at Niagara Falls bus shelters who does this multiple bus shelters well a lot of people do this I guess just for shits and giggles and I don't understand it Multiple bus shelters throughout the city of Niagara Falls appear to have been vandalized, glass smashed, and shards everywhere. Images attached are from the Portage Road and Valley Way, Montrose Road, and Highway 20 area. Please be careful if you and your children are walking in or around these shelters. If anyone has any information, again, call police or crime stoppers. Frequently, uh, I have an opportunity to speak with people just casually, uh, either friends or neighbors or acquaintances or store owners or um, servers in pubs, whatever. And one of the things that I'm encountering a lot is a sense of desperation and despair and sadness from people because they're not at all feeling good about where society is going and the things that they run into every day. They feel, frankly, a little bit hopeless and a little bit helpless. And what the hell is wrong with what's going on? Now, there are a lot of things that are right with what's going on. We just 
heard from Councillor Mike Strange and Peter Angelo on the on, on that huge effort they're going through to raise money to help kids with cancer and that's a fabulous fabulous thing so there are good things being done there are positive things being done but overall when you look at the world the Eiffel Tower for example shut down uh, three floors of the Eiffel Tower shut down because of a potential terrorist threat this past week the United Kingdom is uh, showing a higher incidence of threats on the on the terrorism level. All the, the hoo-ha that's happening, I worry for the United States, especially with their political system. There's all the, the, the Donald Trump stuff that is happening. Um, and and I vowed years ago that I, I wouldn't even say that name any, uh, again, but it just popped out. There's so much darkness that people in generally have to find ways to make themselves feel lighter, make themselves feel okay about their world. Um, I was talking with my cousin uh, not too long ago. lives in uh, lives in Colorado. Um, he's and he's very well off. He's not he's not on the poverty side of things. He's very well off. Run a successful business. Sold it. And he's but he's beside himself. He's he's desperate because he doesn't know now where he wants to live. He said, "I want to live somewhere." But I don't really want to live here, meaning the United States. But he's going to live somewhere in the United States. He said, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't abide what's happening here. It's so depressing. Um, and we don't know what, what the motivation is. And at a very, very low, minuscule level are these idiots that break into stores, break windows, and, uh, and steal POS machines. and. Um, break into thrift shops for some bizarre reason. Fill up your car with gas and then try to drive away without paying for it. What Maybe it was a $100 bill or a $60, who knows how much gas he pumped, but yeah, gas is expensive. You're gonna buy a vehicle, you gotta run it on gas, you gotta pay for it, you numbskull. And these are the things that are really starting to bother people. There is a serious, depression uh, symptom that is cropping up. The medical, uh, the medical associations will tell you so, the hospitals will tell you so. It's not just the full moon, it's, it's something, it's a, it's a, it's a world uh, order that is, that is kind of broken in a lot of cases. So look for ways, I guess what I'm trying to say is look for ways to be happy. Uh, look at what you've got. Uh, and appreciate what you've got. And here's one of the good things that we have, Kevin, and before I acknowledge our sponsors again, this is one of the positive things that I've had a chance to talk to a lot of people about this week, and that is our little micro climate that we live in here in Niagara. When we read and see and hear about all of the extreme weather events that are absolutely tragic, um, the most recent case in point being Maui, where a historical city and island has just about been destroyed and they still have no idea how many people have died there. The extremes of weather that Haiti gets, that the islands get, that the eastern seaboard gets with all the flooding that happened on the eastern seaboard of the United States as well as Canada through Halifax and beyond. Uh, we in Niagara should put a smile on our faces and in spite of the wet kind of summer that we've had oh we had a lot of rain you know kind of a crappy summer etc 
count your lucky stars that we are where we are because we are in a wonderful part of the world and and we do very very well when it comes to our extremes we have extremes we have extremes that are here and here but we don't have extremes that are here and here um so yeah there's a lot of crap that goes on that we don't like but there's also a lot of good stuff that we can be thankful for and one of those things is Gales Gaspars that uh, sponsors this program and has done so much for Niagara, um, not just because of their business and all of the tax dollars that they pay and whatnot, but all of the charitable initiatives that they support and have supported over the years and uh, continue to. They are also a rainbow registered company, meaning that they are a safe haven for employees and customers alike, regardless of your race, color, creed, sexual orientation or identification or whatever. Um, um, a company that Niagara can be proud of and and we're proud to have them associated with us as our headline sponsor. Verge Insurance Group, uh, another locally born and bred company, thank you very much for being here uh, through thick and thin for a long period of time with us. Hartzell Marine, Niagara's only legend boat dealer and Mercury Marine dealer as well. Hartzell Marine in, uh, on Ormond Street in uh, Thorold. And of course, ACE alignment as well for any and all of your automotive needs, be they exotic or domestic or trucks or cars or otherwise, MTO certified inspection station as well. And uh, they're on North Street in St. Catharines. We thank uh, ACE alignment for being a part of this program as well. My name is Lee Sterry. This has been episode 18 of season four of uh, Niagara 411 Live with Lee Sterry. Keep up the good work, Nick. Uh, in spite of what's going on out in the social media news world today, uh, we're happy and honored to still be up and running here. Kevin, it's always a pleasure working with you. Thank you for the work you do. You make a tough job here look uh, very, very easy every week, and for that I thank you. Um, and Fiddler's Poor House, couldn't think of a better place to spend a couple of hours uh, every other Wednesday. and. Uh, and just sort of uh, have a chat with Niagara. Who have we got to play us off the stage, buddy? We're going to hear a live recording of Don Sexsmith, local guy, doing an original song called For Hire. Don Sexsmith, For Hire, to play us off the stage at Niagara 411 Live with Lee Sterry. You folks have a good week, what's left of it, and a fabulous weekend, and we'll catch you in a couple. Thanks for being here. Not yet, not yet. Anyhow, you were born on the right side of the tracks. Don't you know I come from the poor, poor side of town? Think with your heart, girl. Don't let other people put us down. Leaving home now, I know I'm This life came without